the Golf and Country Club, and today we're going to do another PGA podcast uh, learning and trying to find out some more on the quiet eye. I'm here joined with Dr. Samuel Vine, um, uh, he's a PhD in psychology from the University of Exeter, and I'll probably fumble most of the uh, the intro, so I'm going to pass it over to Sam just to give us a little bit on his background and um, quickly on the quiet eye, and uh, we were talking off air there about some applications and getting right into it. So Sam, I'm going to pass it over to you if you can give us a quick little uh, uh, two-minute synopsis about uh, who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, great. For thanks, Jim. Thanks, thanks so much no, no for problem. Me. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invite. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. So we were talking offline, as you said, then about sort of how I first um, became involved in this sort of quiet eye topic and this quiet eye training. So, uh, as you probably know, Joan Vickers' uh, sort of initial pioneering work in this area was in was in golf putting in 1992, um, and then some work in basketball in in 1996. So. These are the two sports that I sort of first picked up on in my PhD studies. Um, so starting with sort of novice, um, training novice basketball free throws, uh, and then moving on to, to training um, and examining novice golf putters. So the study in 2010 that we did uh, looked at whether quiet eye training as an intervention was useful for novice golfers to kind of get better at putting. Um, and to perhaps be a little bit more robust and resilient in, in their putting when they were sort of put under pressure or under stress. Um, and then in 2011, we moved on to a, a study with sort of more skilled club-level golfers, so golfers from local golf clubs in the area near to the University of Exeter, um, and we sort of put them through a, a kind of a shorter version of a quiet eye training intervention uh, to see whether that had any effect on their, their putting abilities and their putting skills. And we kind of we followed up on these golfers, um, not just in the laboratory setting, but actually in the kind of uh, the the real field, if, if you like, on the golf course itself. And so we asked them to kind of record their putting statistics over a series of rounds of golf uh, to see whether the intervention that we'd given them in the laboratory actually had an effect on their ability to to perform when they were, you know, in in real in real golf tournaments, in real golf golf competitions. Um, and really, from from that kind of initial work in in the sports setting, the the quiet eye training topic has has moved into a lot of other different fields. Um, so we've done some work in in military marksman shooting. Uh, we've done some work in surgical skills training, so training the kind of basic dexterity skills of surgeons. Uh, and quite recently, we've moved into a sort of um, almost clinical population working with uh, children who have uh, dyspraxia or uh, developmental coordination disorder and seeing whether we can help them to, to sort of learn, learn motor skills better. Um, so from, from Joan's initial work in, in the, the 90s and, and early noughties, um, quiet training has, has really sort of uh, gained some momentum now as, a, as, a, as an intervention. But I yeah. think in, in golf putting it's still, it's still the most popular, I would say. Yeah, I think we we like that side of it, and I mentioned that uh, it seems you know these other things are more important as seriously as we take golf. But uh, you mentioned too that the the sports application is where it's um, actually existing in real world right now, and, and with some of those other applications, they're just uh, kind of a, a sterile or a um, clinical setting just for starters, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the the work that we've done in other settings, like in the military setting or the clinical setting, is still at the very sort of fundamental research level. So we're still using kind of simulated environments. We're still really interested in 
working out what's going on from a kind of eye-hand coordination perspective and the training studies that we're doing in those environments are still, as I say, quite fundamental. But actually, because the work in sport and quieting training has been going on for such a long time now, it's at a more developed stage. So I would say that the, the work I do with, with golfers is um, is really at the sort of coalface of performance. It's real golfers who really want to do well in the sport are looking for new ways and new methods to improve their, particularly their putting. Um, and so in that sense, the work that's going on in sport in terms of quiet eye training is probably some of the most interesting and some of the most exciting, certainly the most applied. Um, so Sam, that's a, like a great um, uh, summary overall. And I, I think for people that are unfamiliar with the term quiet eye, if that's what we're revolving around here, can you give us um, the a summary of, if you had to do it in a in a two minute summary, what what exactly is quiet eye training? Right, yeah, so I, I can I can do my best uh, to keep that within two minutes, so I yeah, probably tend no. to wander over. Um, so <laughs> the quiet eye, uh, as I mentioned previously, was sort of first um, was first discovered by Joan Vickers back in her 1992 study, and what Joan was looking for there was to see if there were any differences in the the general eye movement patterns that both expert and novice golfers use. So were there differences in the eye movement patterns of, of people that were very good at taking putts uh, and those that were, were not so good at taking putts? And the quiet eye seemed to be this one distinguishing variable that, that distinguished between the experts and the novice uh, performance. And so what the quiet eye is in sort of a definition sense is, is, is the final fixation that people make on the ball prior to the, the critical movement, which in most cases is the backswinging of the club. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the, the final fixation on the ball prior to the backswing of the club. Um, and it's supposed to reflect the kind of planning of the movement or the response planning that's taking place sort of in the brain. So obviously the eyes are, are giving the brain and the body all the information it needs to prepare and to, to control the putt as it's unfolding and keeping your eyes steady and in the right location at the right time uh, seems to help this to happen, hence the putt is more accurate and the, the outcome is better. Um, and a lot of work has been done since that initial study to try and really pin down uh, what, what the quiet eye is, not in terms of its definition, but more in terms of what function it, it serves. So what is it doing to help people get better at putting? Um, we're learning a bit more now about why this sort of steady quiet eye does what it does. And we think it's both about the planning of a movement. So planning what, what, what force and direction is needed to, to hit the, the ball towards the hole, but also making sure that the, the skill unfolds and, and is executed the way that you intend, so kind of controlling the, the putter uh, online. Of course, all of this is happening at a very kind of subconscious level to some extent. Mm. Um, it's all happening very quickly, uh, but we're pretty sure now that that's what this final fixation being long and being steady does. It helps the person to, to control the movements. But actually, the research has kind of spun off onto a, a couple of other tangents since that work. So we've looked a little bit about at how sort of anxiety and pressure seems to influence this quiet eye. Um, and we found that, that basically anxiety and pressure seem to, to disrupt and to, to sort of break up the quiet eye so that people don't have as good a visual control when they're a bit nervous or when they're anxious. So we think this might explain why under anxiety or under pressure, people you know, make mistakes, they miss. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also shown on a, on a sort of separate um, arm of the work, if you like, is that this quiet eye fixation is actually a, a trainable thing. 
So you can teach people to, to kind of adopt the same quiet eye and eye movement strategies as those experts that were first shown in, in Jones' 1992 study. And in, and in doing so, you actually help people to get better um, and be more accurate at performing the skill. So that's both the sort of novices that I talked about, novice people picking up a putter for the first time can speed up or accelerate the learning of the putting skills. Um, but experts who are kind of already pretty good and already know what they're doing, if they want to just refine their skills a bit further and get a bit better and learn to make those putts that really matter um, under pressure, quiet eye training seems to, um, seems to also have a role to play there. Excellent stuff. Is it so... I think we can go it two ways. Um, you know, certainly initially, I think uh, in golf we're often looking for, like you said, the the passion for people to get better. Um, what would be the magic pill, or tangibly, what what does someone do? So I got to keep my gaze fixed. Can you kind of define that? The the kind of referring to the two to three seconds before is that the 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 biggest standout piece on um, on what the elite pattern would look like. I think so, yes. I think the, main, the the critical part of the sort of quiet eye training intervention is this final steady fixation on the ball. Um, so having gone through a kind of pre-performance routine, having, having lined up the shot the way that you want it to unfold, having this moment of sort of quietness a couple of seconds before you start executing the putt seems to be really critical. Um, and it's, you know, it's important that people really... Uh, focus carefully on how quiet their eye really is. So we find that some golfers think that they are quiet and they think that their eyes are steady, but actually with the sort of use of eye tracking technology, we can see that really they're not as, as steady as they think they are. Right. Um, and so this is what the, the, the eye tracking technology that we use sort of enables us to do. Is it gives us this insight into what the athlete's really seeing and therefore to be able to give them feedback on what they need to do better to keep that eye steadier and to keep their attention and their concentration a bit more focused. And so that, that final fixation, that, that two to three seconds before movement, is I would say is the first most critical part of the quiet eye. Um, the, ma the magic the, pill, if you were... I think so. I think <laughs> that's the thing that I, that would be the go-to sort of um, the go-to instruction that I would give an athlete mm -hmm. if I was if I had one bit of advice for somebody. If I could give a a top golfer, one piece of advice on the 18th of Augusta before putting to win, I would just make sure that they ask them to make sure they kept that steady eye uh, a couple of seconds before they let the club let the club move. Yeah, um, but the other the other critical part, or the, the the second most critical part, I would say, is that that eye is is steady all the way through the swing, and that the eye remains steady once the ball has actually left the putter head. Okay. So we, we we find in some of our research that, that people have a tendency to want to sort of move the head early and to follow the ball towards the hole. Um, and we think this is really counterproductive. This doesn't this doesn't do you any good at all in terms of keeping the, the shot the shot accurate. So keeping the eye steady on the location where the ball was after you've hit it is the is the sort of second uh, important part of, of the quiet eye. That seems um, to go together with you know, uh, a lot of putting uh tips and the, the folklore that has been passed down through golf for a long time, I think, had to do with keeping the head still or, you know, watching a spot. We often would put a some kind of coin down on the ground and uh, right underneath the golf ball and you yep. hit your putt and keep looking at the coin afterwards and listen for the ball to go in, those sorts of tips. That seems to yeah, kind of great. come together yeah. people's um, uh, experience in putting when they, when they putt well and maybe they just happen to, uh, this is a more... Um, 
specific way to actually measure physiologically what's happening, right, their eyes? I, I completely agree. I think that when we speak to coaches about what they are already typically trying to get people to do when they're putting, as you said, the, the instructions of the quiet eye kind of fit quite, fit quite nicely with, um, with those coaching points. Um, having said yeah. that, I think there is a tendency for people, as I said previously, to, to think that they're doing what we're asking them to do. Um, and believe that they are keeping their eye steady and that they are keeping their eye on the green after the ball has gone, but sometimes that doesn't happen even despite the athletes or the golfers thinking that they're doing it. Um, so this is where, the, 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 from a coaching perspective, the, the feedback that we can provide golfers with through the eye tracking system, that kind of instant, this is what you were seeing, this is what you were doing with your eyes, is really nice. And I guess that kind of fits in a little bit with sort of movement and swing analysis systems that golfers like to use. So you, you, you might think that your, your club head was facing in a particular direction or you might think that your feet were in a particular position, but it's not until you see the, the video recording afterwards that you realize you had a, a grip that was wrong or a stance that was difficult or you pulled the arm left or right in the wrong way. You know, it's a similar approach with the eye tracker. You can yeah. give them that instant feedback on what their eyes were doing and therefore that knocks on to what their attention and their concentration was like. Um, and quiet eye training is really about that process of um, showing them first what an expert, a really, really good expert golfer looks like with their eye movements, but then giving them constant feedback about what their eyes are doing and how they can improve um, those those eye movements to make to make them better. So it's, I guess it's part of, it's training part of their sort of pre-shot routine, but it's focusing in on the eye movements, the eye movement aspects of that routine, not just the body movements and the behaviours. Right. I, you know, we often say in our game that uh, feel is not real. So when you get this augmented feedback to at least open the window to a different feel or a, a higher level of awareness that you might be able to control, whether it is your, your left elbow or your right foot or you're now looking at your eye movements. Um, yeah. I think that's that's pretty cool. So um, stay on the road, I suppose. We need to look at the uh, the eye movement tracker as a as a uh, part of the kit for the for the coach, whether it's you've got, you know, video and launch monitors and these days and so many different swing yeah. training aids and devices. This uh, People will be wearing some fancy glasses on the putting green now, I suppose. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why golf is um, a sport which is so open to this kind of intervention is because you, the, the sport is already very used to kind of technology and the use of kind of feedback and, and generally sort of scientific input, if you like. Um, mm. So I think golfers are particularly susceptible to this intervention because they're, they're, they welcome that approach to their performance, that approach to their training, you know, using, using devices that give them instant feedback about how they're doing. Um, and, and they seem to like numbers and, and sort of quantitative statistics about how long fixations were and where fixations were and so forth. So it fits with what golfers seem to like. Um, having said that, I guess it's part of the... One of the questions I'm asked quite a lot is whether do you need an eye tracker in order to do quiet eye training? And actually, um, while the eye trackers are very good to, to give that instant feedback, um, the kind of principles of training quiet eye can, can happen without the use of the eye tracker. So we can, we can use kind of resources that we already have created, so videos and um, a series of instructions that we use to actually teach the quiet eye principles without needing to see what, that, what the eye movements of the expert are at that time. I think that helps us a lot. Part of the mission in uh, PGA of Canada, our mission is uh, living a better life, earning a better living. And so the, the business, app, business application of 
of this research is something we're certainly interested in as well. And, and any feather that you have to help a student out and any kind of resource is great. And if I can do it uh, with or without the tool, obviously getting the augmented feedback with the eye tracker, tracker would be awesome. But for, for some people to at least explore initially the fact that it can be done without any equipment and just kind of a, yeah. a, a coach that's aware or been trained a little bit in, in the application. That is possible. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think what the technology does and the feedback does is it convinces both the coach and the athlete that the the ideas of the quiet eye kind of really do stand up. Because if you right. can see it with your own eyes, how your eye movements change, then you're, you're you're more convinced by the principles. But once you have that kind of that buy-in from the coach and from the from the um, from the athlete, it's uh, you know it's really about developing a pre-shot routine that as I say, considers what your eyes are doing as well as what your body is doing and how you're behaving. So golfers spend a lot of time thinking about their their kind of pre-performance behaviors, um, any superstitions and routines that they have. They think a bit about positioning of their feet and their grip of the club. It's just another uh, another level to that, really. It's thinking about your eyes, your attention, your concentration, and copying and, and following a, a model that you know works. Um, and in that sense, it's part of sort of the classic sports psychology idea of just following the process, you know, have a process that you follow um, with your eyes that, that really sort of takes away the pressure and alleviates any any need for kind of thought or conscious control. You just get your eyes in the right place at the right time and you trust that your body's going to create the right movement. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it seems to do that. So That's what we're really after is uh, how can we help people uh, get closer to the zone more often. You know, almost every golfer, unless they're totally brand new to the game, hit one or two good shots. And I think in our uh, the applicable world in coaching and, and the instructing that we do across the country, it's, uh, almost exclusively every student would come to me as, a, as an adult learner anyway and say, hey, you know, just, you know, Jim, I just need to be more consistent. You know, I've, I've hit a couple good shots, but then why does it go off the rails? And um, it seems like, the research that you guys have done and, and compiled seems to point to the fact that this is something that helps get something tangible for people to do in order to get closer to the zone. Is that, am I kind of putting yeah, that words so. together I mean, in the right way? I think what we find in some of our research is that even if the, the golfer doesn't have a high level of consistency, they, they do make putts. So there's occasions when they, they can sink a 10-foot putt with no problem. And, and I guess it's about understanding what, what it is that they did well on that occasion when it went in and trying to kind of um, to learn from that and to model what they did with their eye movements and their behaviors and make that happen more often. Um, so what we tend to find is that if we get someone to come into the lab and take a series of, let's say, 10 putts, and we, what we tend to do is find one that, that went in, so let's say a 6-foot putt that went in and then a 6-foot putt that was missed, we show them the difference between those two extremes, so the occasion when they were successful and the occasion when they were unsuccessful, and show them the eye tracker data, the eye tracker videos that highlight what the differences were in their eye movements. Um, and just by learning what that difference is, they then are able to kind of reproduce that good performance and that good behavior and that good attentional control sort of time and time again. Um, so I think you're right, that's where the, the, the intervention is, is perhaps useful. It's not a magic solution, it's actually just it's learning what I do when I'm good and then trying to find a way to repeat that again and again. Play it again, yeah. And I think a lot of times, too, in in research that's, that's you know, certainly coming out of um, 
you know, kinesiology departments and sports psychology and, and whatnot, we, we look at um, uh, the concept of internal versus external um, mm-hmm. focus of attention. Gabby Wolf, I guess, is a, is a big leader, and we got to talk to Tim Lee about this a little bit as well. Yeah. And and it seems like this this um, practice with the quiet, I seems to uh, facilitate that as well, is to give the athlete kind of like a clear external focus and it doesn't get them all confused and uncoordinated by trying to actually perfect their stroke and they're making missed putts. It's not necessarily about them forgetting to keep this club face square. It just it allows their natural athlete to come out. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, I think the external focus argument is probably one of the strong sort of con- contenders for why the quiet eye sort of does what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly talked about this in a couple of um, my papers over the years. Uh, you know, the idea that an external focus is what the, the quiet eye creates, and that's sort of why, particularly from the learning of new skills perspective, so novices, that's why quiet eye training seems to have a, a positive, positive effect. And I think actually that just highlights something which we were talking about before we sort of were being recorded and before we came online. Um, we're not, you know, there's a lot of research to be done to really work out why, why the quiet eye is the, is the sort of characteristic of expert performance, and indeed why quiet eye training seems to have this positive effect that it does. There's a, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there. We don't really know at this stage. Um, we've got a good idea, but as you said, there's lots of different explanations for um, why following this kind of visual routine and these, the, this particular pattern of eye movements and having this quiet eye fixation. Why that creates better performance it could be explained through for an, from a number of reasons or a number of different avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot more work is needed to really to sort of pin down, I guess, a specific mechanism, a right. specific reason. Um, and it might be that there are different mechanisms or different reasons for different golfers. Um, so I think from for the different golfers that I've worked with on an individual basis, so not for not for research purposes, just but just as a consultant. Um, they have sort of reported that the quiet eye, the quiet eye sort of routine generally works for them, but it seems to work for different people for different reasons. Um, so one particular golfer sort of says it's just, it, it helps him just focus on the process, stay relaxed, stay calm, and it gives him something to think about that isn't, you know, movements or, or position of arms, right. um, position of grip and so forth. But for, for other golfers, they're sold into the kind of attentional control argument. So the fact that they can kind of remain focused and concentrate better when they're when they're adopting this quiet eye fixation. So I think that there's potential um, that on an individual basis it works for different reasons. But I guess it's um, it's researchers' job to sort of work out why and how and, and what the mechanisms are that underpin these these positive effects. I think it's cool to see that if it's fairly robust and regardless of how each person interprets it, it's um, would you say that it seems to be, uh, obviously it looks like the research points to the fact that it's pretty consistent and, and the idea that whether it's novice there or expert anywhere in between that people are generally gaining benefit uh, all the way through is um, pretty nice for us because generally with yeah. the we're going to be coaching such a variety of skill levels. Um, yeah, I think in my experience is that people that um, don't get benefits from quiet eye uh, it tends to be because they already have it, so they, they are already displaying the uh, yeah. the sort of eye movement behaviours that we would expect them to to see. So if it, I guess to some extent people have have um, self self learned the quiet eye, perhaps right. consciously, 
Um, and, and, and we find that that does seem to correlate with how good they are. So very, very good putters seem to have very good control of their eyes during the kind of line-up of the shots. Um, and then very steady fixations, um, steady quiet eye fixations during during the stroke itself. Um, but one thing I will say is that it does tend to the, the sort of um, the reality of the quiet eye, if you like, or the the way it sort of manifests itself for each person tends to differ. So um, we I see different golfers using slightly different strategies. So some some sort of fixate the top of the ball. Some fixate the, the back of the ball seems to be they're looking for the the contact point between the putter and, and the ball, um, and there are a couple of famous examples of very good golfers who sort of look at the hole during the putt, who um, perhaps even yeah. close their eyes um, during during the swing itself. So my my opinion is that they kind of all reflect roughly the same strategy of making sure that you're focused and you're paying attention and you're concentrating and that you're you have a process that you follow every time. Um, but I suppose in terms of actually thinking about a definition of quiet eye, the definition of those quiet eyes would all differ. Um, but the, for me, anyway, the underlying principle is the same. It's a visual routine, a visual um, pre-shot behavior that you follow every time that helps you to be, be consistent. That's cool stuff. I'm, that was, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but one of, one of my questions was um, specifically, I'm glad you brought it up, about players that, haven't had success with it or don't find any difference. And, and like you mentioned, they, they may all be already be doing that. And um, the other uh, hiccup or application, too, was specific to the, the putting with your eyes closed or eyes at the target that uh, Jordan Spieth and others have made pretty popular in the year 2015 here and, and um, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in a personal standpoint, I do a lot of putting eyes closed to have the uh, the intention is to aid the external focus of attention, um, closing yeah. your eyes and putting your mind on the hole or the target. I, I suppose it didn't really consider it. Um, I thought that it would be counter to quiet eye, but I suppose if it stops eye movement, that helps part of the focus, and maybe those things match up actually more in my mind. I think that's probably, that would be my argument. Um, perhaps not so much from the research that I've done, but from my experiences of working with golfers, I find that they, lots of different people use different strategies um, that on the on the surface seem completely different from one another. So the difference between looking at the hole, looking at the ball, or closing your eyes might seem fundamentally different. But most of the athletes that I've worked with seem to report that they, they are serving a, a similar purpose. Um, the external focus is definitely one that pops up time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all provide that quiet moment, so it, it may not be that that's a quiet eye, but there's certainly a quiet moment, um, which might relate to sort of the brain sort of shutting down and the, and the neuromuscular system quietening down so that you get this really efficient production of movement. Um, and there is, some, there is some pretty cool evidence at the moment in the sort of neuroscience literature. Um, if you look at generally the evidence, quite broadly the evidence on what the brain does in the moments leading up to a, a skillful kind of far aiming task like shooting or putting, um, the brain seems to sort of quieten down um, in, in a very specific way. So maybe that the eye, the quiet eye is sort of related more to this quiet brain idea. Um, but no, I completely agree that there's um, there's a number of different ways that, that, that the, um, the sort of quiet eye routine can be adopted and they might seem as though they're, they're worlds apart but in in my personal opinion, they're, they're often quite closely related. I and mean, I think Jordan Spieth's um, strategy on the short putts is an interesting one. 
Um, I think it provides that external focus. It provides that quiet moment. It's a routine. It's a confidence thing. Um, and I think it was Justin Rose, maybe in thir 2013 or 14, um, had had a, a bit of a terrible time with putting and, and adopted the strategy of sort of closing his eyes just as he executed the putt and sort of letting it happen. Um, but I think that, you know, again, the, the attentional focus aspect is what's common to, to probably all of those different scenarios. Bring them all together. That's, um, that's a really neat summary. I suppose uh, the next question, and maybe to, to tie it up, is to think about, um, uh, I don't know how much you can let the cat out of the bag, but where do we go next? And we're talking lots about putting, but uh, we, need to, we need to get to the green. Is, are there applications into the fuller speed swings and, and you know, the fact that if it's a more complicated movement, your head's moving, your eye's moving, um, is there any opportunity for research there, or w what other things... Uh, are coming down the pipe for you. Well, I think the um, the uh, question about the sort of uh, transfer of this principle of quiet eye to kind of you know other shots, so um, you know chipping or or hitting shots off the tee. I think there's a lot of work. There's a bit of work, should I say, that's been done on chipping, um, and it seems as though the the principles behind the quiet eye idea sort of stand up in in chipping. Um, I think bigger shots, so hitting drivers off the tee and whatnot, they 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 do uh, create their own difficulties in, from a research perspective because the sort of more ballistic and the more um, dynamic the movement, the less likely it is that we can capture really good eye tracking data um, because the sort of like, the sensitivity of the eye trackers it, it doesn't really like big movements, that, which is why I guess we chose putting for our initial um, our initial well, the, the initial work that was done chose putting to to examine this quiet principle. But my, 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 my thoughts are that these same principles will probably apply, that the steadiness of the eye, the focus of attention are all critical in making the movement and the skill as good as it can be. Very cool. I guess you can't screw the, uh, the eye tracker right into someone's skull to make sure it doesn't move. Well, it, it, it fixes to the head quite well. Um, it's more the, the problem more is that the, if the, um, the, the, body, the body position that people adopt when they're hitting drivers... Um, they tend to have their kind of head head quite fixed, and then their eyes tend to be sort of looking down, so that their eyeballs are pointing down from within their head. Right. Um, so your pu your pupil ends up sort of lower down in your eye socket, um, uh, okay. and this this stops the cameras on the eye tracker from being able to accurately sort of pick up or capture the pupil. Um, and we do we do actually have this problem in putting as well, um, but it just seems to be the problem seems to be um, worse in. In, in shots off the tee and in, in iron shots, um, but I think I think it's an interesting, definitely an interesting avenue of research. Um, but I think it's a, a, a um, another sort of task in which sports psychologists and coaches and whatnot could have a a go at doing some training interventions and seeing whether they get similar effects. Um, there's certainly been some external focus of attention type research on, on um, iron shots and on shots off the tee. So I think the right. quieter principles will probably relate also. They can all go hand in hand. Um, that's uh, excellent stuff, Sam. I think um, I haven't got anything else, like I said, on, on the agenda, but I think this is a cool summary, especially for those that haven't got any experience with uh, quiet eye training and, and the work that you've been doing. I think this is a cool uh, kickoff point and hopefully we've got a nice resource here for people to, to get into it and explore, hopefully explore a little bit of that two to three second quietness before they, they try. Um, are there resources that we can use uh, moving forward? I'm not sure if we can post that somewhere or, or if you've got them 
to, for people that are interested in doing more digging? Yeah, I think if people um, are sort of interested in the concept and want to, to have a look at it for themselves, there's a couple of YouTube videos um, that will really um, sort of highlight the, the quiet eye and how it works and why it works. Um, so my YouTube page is uh, Samuel James Vine, I think, um, which um, was a really um, a really clever YouTube handle. <laughs> it's nice and long and not very memorable. Um, but um, if people wanted to contact me, they could to to get get access to those videos. I think seeing the videos for for yourself will help uh, sort of sell the ideas to you and explain, I guess, what this two to three second pause is all about and how the, the routine of scanning the, the line between the hole and the ball is actually another part of the quiet eye that we haven't actually discussed here today. But I think the videos are a good a good first stop for people wanting to learn a bit more about it. Um, and then there are obviously the research papers that are out there by um, our research team here in Exeter and lots of other um, research teams around the around the world. Um, so there's lots already out there to, to for people to see and to Perfect. learn about. Well, you'll uh, hopefully get a lot of hits uh, coming up very shortly from Canada then. <laughs> Great. Um, Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, no problem. James Vine, um, PhD with, at the University of Exeter, and we were talking about the Quiet Eye, and we uh, thank you so much for your time and contributing uh, for the golf nerds and uh, otherwise interested in PGA Canada. Um, sincerely, thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for your time. Pre appreciate it, Sam. I think uh, Maddie, at this point, uh, you want to come back in?